Bibles this morning, go to Galatians chapter number 5. If you're able to stand this morning, and uh, we'll stand out of respect for the Word of God. And as you're standing, uh, if you're visiting with us today, we, we hope that you receive one of our welcome packets and maybe took a, an opportunity. There's a colorful card in there. If you do us a favor, maybe you have already, fill that card out and you can hand that to somebody on the way out or at the information desk out in the lobby, or you can drop it in one of the uh, offering boxes on the wall, back wall on your way out of the auditorium. But uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit, know a little bit about you, maybe something that we can pray with you about, something we can help you with. Uh, we'd sure love to do that. And uh, so this morning, uh, if you're visiting with us, there is an outline, there's a, a bulletin uh, handout in the bulletin this morning. You can follow on that way. But I'll ask you if you would do us a favor, because there's just one verse we're going to use as our text, and then if you'll keep your Bibles open this morning to Galatians 5, we're going to look at some other verses in this particular chapter, and uh, I think it's okay if we uh, study the Bible this morning, right? And a lot of, a lot of folks say, boy, I, I go to church, and there's not a whole lot of Bible, and this is a Bible-believing church, and we praise the Lord for God's work, because the Bible says it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We need the Word of God, and the Bible says, Thy Word is truth, and we need the truth this morning, and may God, by His Spirit, help us to understand that truth. We are, uh, of course, emphasizing, if you notice on the wall or a few other places in our building, our theme for the year is Magnify. We sang our theme song this morning, and, and we, every month, are going to focus on various different things that we can magnify. The month of February, we're, we're focusing on magnifying service. And so today we look at Galatians chapter number five, verse number 13. The Bible says, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Everybody see that verse? If you have your eyes on it, let's read it together out loud. All right, here we go. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, by love serve one another. We'll let you be seated this morning. Thank you for standing and reading the word of God. Now again, I, uh, this morning we're talking about having freedom or liberty, and the emphasis this morning is freedom to serve others, as you see there in the verse, serve others by love. Now we're going to get there, but I want you to follow along with me because as we study the Bible, remember God is a God of order and God gives us his word. And what we need to understand is the truth that God's given to us in the very context that he's given to us. So we're going to back up and look at a few things and then we're going to, we're going to end our message this morning with where we began. All right. And I'm going to ask you periodically if you're with me, because I know a lot of times people have their eyes open, but there's no one home, all right? So I want you to pay attention and ask God to teach you something this morning by his word. And if we ask, God will do that very thing. Now, serving the Lord. I love serving the Lord. And can I tell you, I I started serving the Lord long before God called me into the ministry. I think every Christian ought to understand that serving the Lord is a beautiful con a concept, but when it comes to serving God, it can be a tricky one as well. A lot of people struggle with serving other people. 
one of the things, and maybe I got acquainted with it because of my pastor, he kind of, he really loves the peanut, Peanuts comic strip. Uh, you remember Charlie Brown and Lucy and all the characters that come along with it. And one day, uh, Charlie Brown and Lucy were together, and Lucy asked Charlie Brown, and Lucy always, she's really a different thinker, you know, she's always thinking of things different than Charlie Brown. And she asked Charlie Brown, she says, why are we here on the earth? Charlie Brown looked at Lucy and he says, well, we're here to make others happy. And Lucy thought about that for a while. And then Lucy looked at Charlie Brown and she says, well, then why are others here? You know, she's really thinking this thing through. And when you study the Bible, there are some Christian concepts that we need to understand. One of those that we see mentioned uh, in the Word of God is the phrase, one another. I love this phrase. It really ought to be a part, one of the key phrases to our Christian vocabulary. And then as we see in our text this morning, this matter of love one another. That particular phrase you see mentioned about at least a dozen times in the New Testament of our Bible. And I think that we need to understand this matter of loving one another or having the freedom to serve others by love. Now, God has given us, and we'll see in our passage this morning, God has given us a position of liberty, and the whole reason why God gave us this liberty or this position that we have is not so that we can get out of serving God or find our way out of serving Him, but He's given us this liberty so that we can find our way into serving Him. I have discovered that it's a wonderful thing to serve the Lord. And as we look at our passage today, I want you to be thinking about this. Now, I know a lot of times people love to get their, uh, those blanks filled in to feel fulfilled. The three words I'm going to give you are not the blanks. This is bonus, all right? You paid a lot of money to be here today, so I want to give you some bonus, okay? Now, one of the things that Paul does is Paul actually gives, as he begins this passage, he talks about our calling. And it's a wonderful thing to understand what our calling is. Now, you say, well, pastor, you're in the ministry. God's called you in the ministry. That's true. But this passage is not for someone who is full-time in ministry. It's for every Christian. And so Paul begins with our calling. Then he begins to share something that we need to be uh, understanding, and that is he shares our caution, things that we need to be cautious about or be aware of. And then he concludes it with our commandment. Now, if you've been saved long enough, you understand what a command is. A command's not a request. A command's not a suggestion. A command is something that is imperative, that we have no choice, that if we're going to be obedient, we must do it. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now, as we look at this passage, it begins as Paul uh, sets off and he starts talking about the stand of liberty, all right? So the stand of liberty, look in your Bible in verse number one of Galatians chapter five. Notice the word here, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. All right, look at the verse again, all right? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the stand fast means 
to persist or to persevere. It means that we need to be firm in our beliefs and firm in Christ to be rooted in Him because, look, there are going to be a lot of things in our lives that's going to try to distract us or pull us away from the Lord or from our position that we have in Christ. So Paul begins by talking about the stand of liberty. This is our calling. Look at it again. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. So Paul here is saying that your calling is that you have liberty and that liberty is with Christ. He's the one that's made us free. So it begins with liberty, and this liberty gives us position in Christ. Paul is urging those in the region of Galatia to remain faithful to God, to remain firm and rooted in Christ. And what does it mean that we are in Christ positionally? Here's what it means. It means that we have liberty, and liberty simply means that we are free from bondage. We sang that song this morning, my chains are gone. I've been set free. How many of you believe that? How many of you have experienced that? It's a wonderful thing. So understand that we have liberty. We are free from bondage. Positionally, we are in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, listen to this, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, we've been set free. It's the grace of God. You and I cannot save ourselves. We've been saved by the grace of God. And when somebody is in liberty, as it says here in Galatians 5.1, what are they? They are a recipient of God's grace. You see, if you are saved today, you've received the grace of God. Aren't you glad for God's amazing grace? You know, I once was lost, but now I'm free. I once was blind, but now I can see. See, God wants us, it says in verse 1, to stand fast in the liberty that God has given to us. We are not made free by keeping the law. We're not made free by doing certain things. The Bible says here in Romans 6.20, when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So what is it that we're free from? Well, according to the word of God, we're free from the guilt of sin. God has set us free, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption. How does that happen? How are we redeemed? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I, I can say to you without any reservation this morning that those of us that are in Christ, that are saved, we will never see the fires of hell. You see, because we've been set free. We are in Christ. And so as I look in the Word of God this morning, we are positioned in Christ. And by being positioned in Christ, it's a position of freedom. God uses the word liberty. Now again, look at verse number one. He says, as we stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith we are in Christ, that we have been made free. And look at the last part. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you remember what it was like before you got saved? You remember the life that you were living, how you were enslaved to sin? How, how that you were entangled, the word here, you were entangled by sin, you were 
Paul is, is telling those in Galatia, he says, hey, look, if it was that good, then why, do you, uh, why are you rejoicing in what you have in the Lord? Listen, people look back, it's, that wasn't the good old days, folks. The good old days is that we are now in Christ. And so understand here, Paul is cautioning them. He is saying, look, don't be enslaved by being pulled back into a life of, of following the law or trying to keep the law. Warren Wiersbe said, the yoke of Christ frees us to fulfill God's will, while the yoke of the law enslaves us. I love what Jesus said. Jesus said that in Matthew eleven thirty, 30, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. See, the servitude to sin was set aside. And now, according to the word of God here in this passage, we are in Christ. That means that we serve the Lord. And so positionally, in this stand of liberty, we are in Christ. But then notice also that liberty also uh, gives us a position in grace. Look at verse number two of our passage. Paul says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now the word there, circumcised, is talking about uh, 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 works, things that we do. Paul says, look, he says, if, if, if you can do something, then listen, honestly, Christ is of none effect. That, that Christ didn't mean anything. His death on the cross didn't mean anything that, that you and I, we can just do what we want and we'll be okay. A lot of people think, hey, I'm a good person. I'm going to be just fine someday. But when you study the Bible, here's what you find is, is that you don't have to work to have a standing with God. Look at this, look at this verse, Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but he is justified by the faith, of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified. Well, how are we justified? By the faith of Christ, and we're not justified by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. See, folks believe that if they live a certain way or give them money or, listen, even go to church. In other words, we're talking about works things that we do. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And understand that we have a position in Christ, and that position in Christ is a position in grace. And when we look at how the Bible says that by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, folks, the demands of the law cannot be fulfilled. Look at verse number three. It says, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, when you look at what he says here, he says, look, you have to do everything that the law demands. Now, look what James says. He says, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point. He is guilty of how much of it? All of it. No one can keep all the law. Matter of fact, the Bible says the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. 
See, God's given his word, and if you and I are going to please God by doing the law, then according to what he's saying is, you have to do the whole law, but no one can do all the law. Salvation is either all of Jesus, or it is all of the law. Let me say that again. Salvation, being saved, is either all of Jesus, or it is all of the law. And as you think about that, you can't trust in Christ and trust in the law together in order to be saved at the same time. Look at verse number four, interesting statement here. He says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, he says, ye are fallen from grace. Now that statement there, fallen from grace, it means to make the grace of God of none effect. In other words, again, if we could do something to be saved, then Jesus would have never had to come from heaven to this earth and live among us and go to the cross and give his life. But the Bible says here that we, if we are saying that we can be saved by keeping the law, then we are making Christ and what he did of none effect. And as Paul's writing here, he understand that He's not talking about people losing their salvation because, folks, look, we cannot lose our salvation. We didn't save ourselves. God saved us. We understand that once saved, always saved. But as you look at this passage this morning, he's saying if they are justified by the law, then they are saying that God's grace is of no effect. Now, I understand, I hope you do this morning, too, that grace is undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. God's been so very good to us, just like Marie Chen said this morning in her message, and understand that we don't deserve the grace of God. It is the gift of God, but once we are saved and we're in that position of grace and we're standing in the liberty that we have in Christ, we who are saved can never fall from the grace of God. But as we think about this, here's what you and I need to understand is, is that we can deny the effectiveness of grace. Let me say that again. We can deny the effectiveness of God's grace. People abuse the grace of God. And what people do, and Paul is cautioning, and I wish we had time, but if you go back and read the entire letter that we call the book of Galatians, that's what it's dealing with, is people trying to go back into uh, trying to keep the law, a set of rules, instead of spending time with the Lord. And that's what he's saying is don't go back into this. And look at verse number one again. He says, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So there are people that can deny the effectiveness of God's grace. Remember what Jesus said talking about salvation in John chapter 10? Look at these words. I give unto them what kind of life? Eternal life. How long is eternal? forever. Who's the one that gives it? God does. Now look at it. And they shall, what's the next word? Never perish. God says they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. If you're saved this morning, guess where you are? You're in the hand of God. There's no one more powerful than God. 
We call this eternal security. Because look, you cannot lose your salvation, what God has given to you. Jesus says, look, you are in my Father's hand. And he says, look, when you think about this salvation that you have, we need to understand this morning that there is no hybrid salvation. Understand that it's either grace or works. It's either all of Christ or it's none of Christ. I know this, 36 years ago, I put my faith and trust in Jesus for my salvation. I trusted in the shed blood of Jesus for my salvation. It's my redemption was through his shed blood. I'm not trusting in myself. And I understand this morning, according to Galatians 5, that I'm in the position of being in a position in Christ, and it's a position of being in grace, the grace of God. But notice that liberty also gives us a position of hope. Look at verse number 5 of our passage. For we, through the Spirit, look at this word, we wait. What are we waiting for? For the hope of righteousness by faith. Are you looking forward to seeing the Lord someday? Could be today. And as a believer, what are we doing? We're in Christ, we are recipients of God's grace, and we have hope that the Lord is going to come back, and we have, as we stand in this liberty, we're like what Paul wrote to those in Philippi, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it, look at this, until when? The day of Jesus Christ. See, I have that confidence this morning, and I hope you do too, that the Lord is the one that has made us righteous. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Say amen. amen. Listen, what a wonderful thing it is to be a child of God. And he, Look, Paul begins with our stand in liberty. But then secondly, he talks about the subversion of liberty. Now this is where he gives the caution. To subvert our liberty means to abuse it. And I'm going to explain this right from the pages of our text this morning. See, a lot of people don't understand this matter of liberty that we have. And as we look to the scriptures this morning, we have to be reminded of this, that the devil is going to try to pull us away from the simplicity that we have in Jesus Christ. I love children and I love a childlike faith. Many times Jesus emphasized this in his word. We as adults, many times we overthink, we overanalyze. We, we want to make something out of what it's not. And the devil, again, look at verse number one. What is he trying to do? He's trying to entangle us again. See, we were there before. God says, don't go back. The yoke of bondage. The subversion of liberty. How does Satan pull believers away? Now listen, I've seen this even in my young life. Yes, I'm still young. But I've seen this in my young life. Maybe you have too. As I begin to explain this, we see, first of all, the undermining of our liberty through legalism. Look in verse number 6. And we're just going verse by verse right through the Word of God. The Bible says in verse number 6, For in Jesus Christ... Let me say those four words again. For in Jesus Christ, let's say those together. 
for in Jesus Christ. All right, now keep that in your mind. Look at the rest of the verse. Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, and if I could add these words, availeth anything, but faith, which worketh by what? Faith that works by love. Now, again, when you look at this, he's talking about this matter of a legalistic approach to this matter of the liberty that we have. You see, we are in Christ, we are recipients of God's grace, and we have been given the hope that one day the Lord's going to come back for us, we who are saved. But there, Paul says, look, you have to understand that the devil's not going to just sit by and just do nothing. He's going to try to pull you away from the liberty that you have in Christ. And we see this done in this matter of legalism. Now, the truth that's being represented here is this, that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. See, everything was accomplished. That's why Jesus said those words on the cross, it is what? Finished. Nothing has to be added to what the Lord did. And the truth is there. We're saved by grace. We're standing in the grace of God. We understand the simplicity that we have in Christ, but Satan wants to bring us back into bondage again. And what is legalism? Here's what it is. Legalism is where we want to add self-effort to what Christ has already done in this area of salvation. It's adding to the cross of Jesus Christ. A lot of people are teaching this today, emphasizing this matter of, of a list of rules. You have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to keep this. That's not Bible, folks. You see, when we think about it, legalism is following a set of rules, but what God wants is God wants us to have a relationship with him. That's what God's interested in this morning, that he is your father and you are his child. But there are a lot of people today who teach you have to do this, you have to go to this church, you have to give this much. People that emphasize that, what are they doing? They're playing a part. In their heart, they really don't truly love the Lord the way that they should. Now, don't get me wrong. Good works. You know, the Bible talks about doing good works. When you think about, watch this, when you get saved, God saves us. And God wants us to serve him. One of the ways we serve him, one of the reasons why we are saved is that we would do good works. Now, don't misunderstand. I am in no way saying that we are saved by our works. But once we are saved by grace through faith, then there ought to be a pattern of good works from our lives. Everybody with me? Okay, now look at a couple of verses here. And earlier we looked at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's in the area of salvation. But watch it. Look at verse number 10. We who are saved, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Now look at the Bible says, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. In what? In those good works. God has a purpose for your life. 
The Bible says as Jesus was on the, uh, delivering the Sermon on the Mount, and he said in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, look at this, let your light, what you receive when you receive the Lord, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good, what? Works. And glorify, see, watch, as they see what we're doing for the Lord, God gets the glory out of it. You know, my daughter sang that song this morning, and my, my daughters always, they hate it whenever I, I, I say something about them publicly. That's every parent's right to embarrass their children. Now, the truth is, I didn't do it to embarrass her. I did it because I love her. But my daughter's just like any, any good Christian ought to be. She doesn't want the glory. God gave her that gift. And she's using it for the Lord. You see, God allows us to do things, but may God always get the glory out of the things, great things he hath done. So understand that as we're saved and as we stand in liberty, that God has given us a purpose and doing good works, listen to me, doing good works as a believer is not legalism. But I will tell you this, that when we are saved and we begin to emphasize the things we do over the person that saved us, that becomes legalistic. Let me say that again. When we begin to emphasize the things we do over the person we worship, it becomes legalistic. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. God wants us to maintain and be involved in doing good works. Look at verse number 7, how Paul says in verse number 7, ye did run well to the Galatians, but notice the question, who did hinder you? that she should not obey the truth. Interesting question that he poses there. When he says, who did hinder you? You know what he's really saying to them? Who changed your course? Who's the one that got you off track? You know, you think about how the pull was there, how the devil is trying to get us away from the liberty that we have, the simplicity that we have in Christ. In verse number eight, he says, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. He says, hey, look, when you, when you start to get away from your relationship with God and you start to follow a set of rules and a list of, of things that you can do and works and you begin to emphasize those works, he says right here in verse number eight, look at this. He says, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. That's not of God. He says, that's something that man desires. And see, there's a lot of people who are very legalistic, and we get hurt many times when we take our eyes off the Lord, and what do we do? We put our eyes on a list instead of our eyes on Jesus. Paul's cautioning here, and he tells us that we need to stand in the liberty that we have in Christ. Don't get involved and don't be persuaded by those who would take us back into the yoke of bondage in this matter of legalism. And what does legalism do? It undermines the liberty that we have in Christ. But notice another thing. 
that is subverting our liberty is this matter of license. Now, license is a little bit different than liberty because look at verse number 13. And we read this verse as we began, and we're coming back down to it. But notice with me, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now that's license. What is Paul describing here? He's talking about abusing liberty. He says we have to be careful because the devil would love to undermine our liberty through this matter of license. I've seen many Christians who have a faulty set of thinking that they think, well, listen, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. The Bible teaches I have eternal life. Therefore, I'm free and I can live as I want. That's not Bible. What people forget or they don't want to recognize is one day they're going to stand in the presence of a holy God and give an account of the life that they lived. The Bible says you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is his. I see many times people abuse the liberty that we have. And we should not use our liberty, as it says here in verse 13, as an excuse to the flesh. A lot of Christians, Christian, they call it, listen, the two words don't go together, Christian drinking. They don't go together. That's just one of many examples. Look, I don't, I don't follow you around. I'm not here to be the Holy Spirit in your life. But understand that the Word of God has plenty to say. Now, if you don't like that, don't take it up with me. Just take it up with God. But understand that as we have liberty in Christ, we should not use that liberty as an excuse of the flesh. We should not let our liberty be the launching point to bring us back into a lifestyle of sin and bring us back under the yoke of bondage. People today, you know what they want? They want to love Jesus. When you talk to them, that's what they sound like is, oh, I love Jesus, but they also want to enjoy their freedom. Paul writes to those in Rome, look at chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then? Look at these words. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's those next two words? God forbid. Look, the child of God should not continue a life of sin. Oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fall short. We're going to make mistakes. That's why the Bible says that, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. No one's perfect. After we get saved doesn't mean we're never going to struggle in life. But the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, look at that, dead to sin, live any longer therein. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about a licensed lifestyle. And a licensed lifestyle is not a biblical lifestyle. You know what it is? It's a life lived for the flesh. Feeding the flesh. Letting the flesh. Listen, when I was younger and I was a part of the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church started having Saturday night mass. You know why they had Saturday night mass? So that every good Catholic could go to mass on Saturday night and to go out and party all night long on Saturday and sleep it off on Sunday on the Lord's day. Excuse me, I'm just being honest and truthful with you. And guess what? I was one of them. 
And God's not pleased with that. That's a licensed lifestyle. People say, I can do what I want. I'm free. I have liberty in Christ. Yet the Bible says in Romans 8, verse number 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Folks, are you following the Lord? Are you living for the flesh? As long as we're in the flesh, yes, we're going to face trials, and there's going to be temptations that are going to come along. But notice in this very same chapter, in verse number 16, Paul says, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at it again. If we're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to do, give in to the flesh, give in to the things of the flesh. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God says, God forbid. Do not continue in that lifestyle. God has placed us in the liberty that we have in Christ so that we would not confound it by going back to the law or by living a life of license, doing whatever we want that does not please God. See, God gives us our calling here, and our calling is that we've been called unto liberty, but then notice he gives the caution, and the caution is that we should not use this liberty that we have as an occasion to the flesh. But then notice the commandment that he gives here, and it deals with where we are this morning and this month, and that is the service of liberty. The service of liberty. See, I told you we were going to come right back to where we began. You say, Pastor, why did you say all that just to get... Because we're following what the scriptures teach this morning. We need to understand the, 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 the standing that we have. And we need to understand the subversion of the liberty that we have to bring us to the service of liberty. See, freedom is not an opportunity for us to, to sin and an opportunity for self. Freedom is an opportunity to serve. Let me say that again. Freedom, the liberty you have, is an opportunity to serve. Go back to verse 13, look at it. Here's what he says. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. There's the commandment. Now remember, command. It's imperative. God says, I'm not giving you an option. He says, you need to understand the liberty that you have, what I've done for you, what I've given to you, be cautious about things that would pull you away and take you back into a yoke of bondage. But now that you are saved and you're being cautious about that, notice the command again, but by love serve one another. Let's say that together. But by love serve, by love serve one another. God has set us free. Why has he set us free? To serve one another. Say, Pastor, I, I don't know. Not many people do much for me. Listen, that's not what the scriptures say. By love, serve one another. You know, listen, and it doesn't just say serve. It says by love, serve one another. There are a lot of people that serve the Lord, especially even here in our church. But you know what I found is that people that love God and people who serve God because they love God are never people that are complaining. I don't see them griping, arguing. Matter of fact, they're happy people. And notice the service 
of liberty is a service of love for the Lord. Paul put it right when he said this, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Hey folks, listen, Paul says, look, you know what? He says, what gets me up every day and gets my blood going is that the Lord loves me and because he loves me, I love him. He says, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what constrains me. That's what gets me through the day. A mature Christian says this, hey, what can I do for the Lord who's done so much for me? That ought to be our attitude. You think about what the Bible says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He loved you and he loved me when we were unlovely. Some of us are still unlovely. And he loves us. See, the origin of what we do is more important than what we do. Let me say that again. The origin of what we do is more important than what we do. And when I say about the origin, what we do, we do because we love the Lord. I don't know how long you've been saved. For me, it's been 36 years. How long have you been saved, Brother Flynn? 490? <laughs> 49. You think about how long you've been saved. Let me ask you this question. Is the honeymoon over? Do you still love the Lord as much today as you did the day he saved you? I can honestly say this. I love him more today than the day that he saved me. Because the more you get to know him, the more you will love him. Paul says the love of Christ is what constrains me. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what helped me make it through the day. No matter what I face, the origin of our ministry, it's Jesus. It's not some list. It's not rules. It's a relationship. And the service of liberty is a service of love for the Lord. But notice it's a service of others. See, again, our motivation is our love for the Lord, but it's our love for the Lord that, that causes us to love others. Notice what Jesus said in Mark 12, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. He says, look, that's where it all begins, is do you love God with every fiber of your being? But then notice he says the second commandment he says here is, is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? You know, a lot of people really are in love with themselves. I mean, we, we do, don't we? That's human nature. We love ourselves. And the Lord says, look, I want you to love me, and then I want you to love others as much as you love yourself. <laughs> look, at, look at the last, he says, there is none other commandment greater than these. Well, I thought there were 10. Well, there's actually 614 commandments in the Bible. But the two greatest is to love God and to love others. And that love, that, that service, is born out of the liberty that we have, that we need to be standing in, that we need to be cautious about how there's going to be the subverting of that, that liberty. And when we fall in love with Jesus, guess what? 
We will want to help other people. Uh, Jesus is the greatest example in Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. George Grant said, for centuries, Christians have been the primary agents of charity and compassion in the Western culture. From the first century forward to the founding of the American colonies, Christians took the lead in caring for the hungry, the dispossessed, and the afflicted. This was, in fact, the hallmark of authentic Christianity. I don't know how you are today in your life. Are you struggling? The one thing that I think about is the liberty that we have. Listen, that's in Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, can I tell you this morning, that's the first thing you need to settle is I want to know that heaven would be my home for all of eternity. That's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you've never settled that, God's brought you here today. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you're here with your family, and that's great. But the way I look at it is God brought you here. God may have used someone. You see, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We're all going to spend eternity in one of two places. And according to the Bible, heaven with God or hell without God. And God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God wants everyone to go to heaven. But you know what will keep you out of heaven? You're bent to deny the truth and not accept the gift of God which is eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you're not saved this morning, why don't you receive Christ as your Savior, that heaven would be your home for all of eternity. And if you are saved, I hope you've been thinking about the liberty that you have. I mean, you think about how liberty again is freedom, freedom from sin. And notice it's not freedom to sin. See, a lot of times people think, hey, look, I'm okay. But again, our lives should be spent serving others. Serving others the way God has designed the Christian life. You think about this passage this morning, where we started, where we ended. Our calling. We've been called unto liberty. And then our caution. He says, be aware. Don't use that liberty that I've given you as an excuse, an occasion to the flesh. And then our commandment is to what? But by love, serve one another. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I want you to think about the message this morning, and I hope that you've been paying attention. I hope you appreciate what the Lord's done for you. How many of you can say by an upraised hand, Pastor, I, I've been saved. I've had a time in my life that I've put my faith in Christ. I'm, I'm standing in Christ today in the liberty that he has for me. Can you slip your hand up this morning as a testimony that I am saved? I know the Lord is my Savior. I see a lot of hands across the auditorium. You can put your hands down. I wonder today if you could not raise your hand. As the piano begins to play, this is known as a time of invitation. You know, the Bible says Jesus invites us to come. Come all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
The only way that you're going to find peace and the answer that's in your heart and soul today is to come to Jesus. Why don't you come to him and receive from him eternal life? See, he's already paid the price. All you have to do is receive it. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where you are this morning, whether you're here or watching, if you'd like to come or even from your seat, why don't you open your heart this morning and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. See, it's as simple as that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Why do we need to do that? Because all have sinned. If you're standing here this morning and you think, well, I'm not that bad, according to the Bible, there's none righteous. But you can have a home in heaven by asking the Lord. And so again, where you stand, would you pray between you and God, Lord, Thank you for dying for my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.